genre. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Andrea Sachs and Miranda Priestley from The Devil Wears Prada. Joining us for the discussion is returning guest Virginia McAllister. Welcome back, Virginia. Thank you. Happy to be here. The Devil Wears Prada is a 2006 film that tells the story of Andrea Andy Sachs, a recent college graduate trying to get a job in journalism in New York. She ends up as the second assistant to Miranda Priestley, a powerful fashion magazine editor. It was directed by Alan Frankel and stars Anne Hathaway as Andrea Sachs and Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestley. This is a film that I remember when it came out, all the praise that it got, particularly for Meryl Streep's performance. And I always said I should watch that. And I just never got around to it to tell today. (laughs) (laughs) But Virginia, do you remember when you came to The Devil Wears Prada? I think I saw it pretty recently after it came out. I I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or, you know, just kind of right as it came out Mm -hmm. on On video or streaming video or DVD. I guess it would have been DVD at at the time. DVD, probably. And, and I can't remember if, you know, like if I saw it in the theater or first saw it on DVD, but it was not long, you know, after it was available in one of those formats that I saw it and absolutely loved it. I've seen it several times since. Yeah. I, my quick review after having watched it today, this film is amazing. It is. Oh, and it holds up so well, yeah. like watching it again, you know, in preparation for this just holds up so well. I mean, I, I have a couple of this to pick. We will get to that. But just in terms of performances. Everything's firing on all cylinders. My goodness. Is this cast amazing and having the time of their lives, it seems. All right. A little bit of trivia. The film is an adaptation of Lauren Weisberger's 2003 novel of the same name. Weisberger had worked as an assistant for Anna Winter, the editor of Vogue. So it's generally assumed the character Priestley is based off of Anna Winter. And because of this, many professionals in the fashion industry were hesitant (laughs) to give full support to the project. You would have had a lot more cameos of models uh, and designers. If they hadn't been scared of Anna Wintour. (laughs) Right. Fair. (laughs) And for the little I, you know, have seen of her or know of her, it seems like there might be a comparison there. (laughs) And I mean, just that the book was written by one of her assistants, right? It's like, "Mm." yeah. (laughs) Um, And as part of that, because they didn't necessarily have that, that full support, which can often come in the form of, um, some some money coming in or some some uh you know ease on in terms of the budget for fashion and everything uh this film the director this was only a second film uh and he he hadn't made a film for a decade he'd been doing some tv directing he said i just felt like we were on a shoestring budget and everything could crash at any time but then i had meryl streep and so <laughs> was, yeah, that's really all you need. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, cause the budget was not huge. I mean, it turned into a pretty big success. I forgot to put it in the trivia. I want to say it was over 300 million worldwide that it made at the box wow. office. Um, and the budget I think was, it was, I mean, the size budget that you don't just don't see very more. I think it was like 10 to 20 million, which. Is that it? Yeah. Oh my which, goodness. Which is amazing considering this cast, but. I mean, I know, maybe we'll get into this, but, you know, you look at, you have people like Emily Blunt, but then you think this was her breakout role. She wasn't 
a huge actress, you know, so she probably couldn't command a huge salary at that point and things like that. But you look at the cast and just think it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks like it made over 200 million internationally and over 100 million at the US, somewhere in that 300 range in my quick glance here. Um, and yeah, th- this cast, uh, you have Stanley Tucci as Nigel, you have Emily Blunt playing, uh, playing Emily, uh, Anne Hathaway as Andy, and, and Meryl Streep. I mean, just those four. Mm-hmm. Every one of them is only the screen anytime they're on. You know, it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, and Emily Blunt, it took me a bit to click. I'm, I was just sitting there like, I know this actress. I know this voice. But in this, she's a redhead. And she mm-hmm. also has a constant sneer of condescension that yes. I do not associate with Emily Blunt. Like, this is her acting this is, in this role. This and it's perfect. Mary like, Poppins. that's exactly what that character <laughs> needs to have. Yeah. But the Emily Blunt I know from, you know, Day After Tomorrow <laughs> or, or, Mary or Mary Poppins <laughs> yeah. uh, or any of the, yeah. the viral videos with her husband, John Krasinski, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that happened. It's not that just open sneer of derision and condescension. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I, I couldn't I couldn't place her. And then it clicked. I'm like, oh, that is Emily Blunt. And um, I was texting our sister, Kate, uh, that I was finally watching this movie because I know she loves it. And she's like, oh, it's Emily Blunt's breakout, breakout role. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yep, that's, that's how I know it is. Oh, this was, you know, Emily Blunt's breakout role. That's exactly uh, how I know this movie. <laughs> was, I mean, and on the one hand, like you want to say, this is Meryl Streep's breakout role because she is so amazing, but it's also Meryl Streep. Everything she does is a breakout role where you're like, you just look at her and you're like, oh, okay, well, she's a star. (laughs) (laughs) But it is amazing. I, I, as I told you, uh, we watched this with my daughter and she's a huge fan of Mamma Mia. And it was just blowing her mind that this was the same person (laughs) who was singing and dancing in Mamma Mia, you know, And, and just watching Meryl Streep and realizing it's the same actress, but it's such a completely different role. Um, and it just shows her range, which is just outstanding. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put it here in trivia. I mean, it's something we can maybe talk about later too, but um, just a note, I found that the director said in terms of finding a tone to talk about the fashion industry, he was inspired by a documentary called um, Unzipped about um Oh, what is the name of the, uh, it's about a designer. And this is a documentary from the nineties, um, where, uh, he said the tone was, uh, Mizrahi is the, oh, the designer. Isaac Mizrahi. I yeah. just looked it up. So. Yeah. But he said the tone of that acknowledged the, uh, or like reveled in the silliness of, of high fashion, but also took it seriously. And that's what he felt like we needed to do. Mm-hmm. Cause there is something yeah. absurd about high fashion, but, like through some of the monologues uh, in this, it also acknowledges like fashion, like high fashion actually is like hugely influential in how everyday people get dressed, <laughs> you know, yes. in ways that we don't, we don't think about because it's easy to just look at high fashion and say, that's absurd. No one would ever wear that. Uh, but the trickle down mm-hmm. of, you know, things that are appearing at Met Gala or, you know, Paris fashion week uh, that aren't being presented necessarily as things that are like functionally, you know, for, for dress. Like it's, it's walking pieces of art very often. Right. Uh, but that, that trickles down uh, into what color sweaters are available at target, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and things like that in ways that maybe go unacknowledged. And so Kate, when I told her I was watching this, um, she said, uh, let's see a, a couple things to know. It's, 1000% accurate of that about that industry. Kate lived in New York and uh, well, <laughs> and went to, to Parsons. Yes. She, yes. W- she went to Parsons and studied with 
yeah. you know, aspiring fashion designers and, and things like that. So Yeah. She yeah. says, there are absolutely mean, awful people who think they're doing the most important people work in the world in that industry. But then she says, but I do think fashion is more important than it's given credit for. So it's tricky because <laughs> you want to say, yeah. like, what you're doing isn't important, but it kind of is for uh, ways that we don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just something to keep in mind, I think, with this film that is simultaneously like a celebration of the fashion industry, but poking fun at the fashion industry and trying to ride that line. And let's face it, this movie does not go into the really over-the-top aspects of the fashion industry, because it could have gotten so much sillier, shall we say. Because you know? it doesn't or really get into like, uh, like that high, really high, high design. Like, yeah. like the designer isn't the character. This is an editor right. of a magazine. Like it's a fashion magazine. And so we're going to talk about fashion, but it's not like, how far can we push the boundaries of what this right. fabric can do? Which I do appreciate. <laughs> right. All right, well, before we move on to the plot summary, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. We especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media that we've been consuming that we're not yet talking about as full episodes of the podcast. And we also give updates on our fantasy box office game. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. On to the plot summary. Andrea, or Andy Sachs, has recently graduated from Northwestern and wants to work in journalism in New York City. She is living with her boyfriend, Nick, who is a uh, an aspiring chef. She gets a job as a second assistant for Miranda Priestley and is told frequently that this is a job millions of girls would kill for. The senior assistant... Emily is unimpressed with Andy. Andy struggles to fit in to the high fashion world who uh, and, and uh, of everyone who works at this magazine, right? Like everyone in this magazine is living in this very high fashion world. And we're like our opening montage is Andy, like just putting on a, a pretty plain skirt and mm-hmm. uh, you know, an top onion and, bagel. and pulling a sweater over her hair, still a little frizzy, <laughs> yeah. you know, and everyone else is like, you know, the, the most impeccable makeup. Uh, every hair is placed perfectly. Every item of clothing has been like decided for days, I would imagine, <laughs> as mm-hmm. to, you know, how I can walk in. Shoes are a huge deal uh, and everything. And Andy is just kind of like, yeah, uh, you know, just walk in like I was going to college class, basically. Yep. Uh, into the shop. Um, so uh, Miranda is cold and demanding and so powerful uh and because of all these things andy says this job is hell but if i can survive a year here it will open doors to other publishing jobs because miranda is so uh she's connected but also so well known if you survive a year working working for miranda everyone assumes you you could do any job (laughs) uh so after miranda expects andy to get her uh get her plane tickets out of miami when all flights are shut down due to a hurricane Andy has a little breakdown and goes to Nigel, the magazine art director, this is Stanley Tucci character, uh, for support. He sort of barely offers any support. Uh, <laughs> kind of tells her, yeah, it's going to be rough. That's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the support that he well, gives. And, and I love the, he has this great line of, you know, kind of where all these other girls, this is their dream job. This is what they would do anything to have you're just what does he say you deign to work here like you're yeah. just doing this as a stepping stone in your career ladder to go on and do higher and holier things and basically. you have no respect for this yeah and it needs respect exactly <laughs> yeah uh and so this kind of makes her rethink a few things about like okay what can i do to actually embrace this job and like show that i am doing my part uh and so she 
asks Nigel if uh, he will help her to look more the part of someone who works at Runway Magazine. And he is very happy <laughs> to do this. <laughs> Though there are repeated comments throughout this whole movie about Hannah, Anne Hathaway being overweight that are just bizarre. Because it is oh, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I know. They call I, her a size six. I'm sorry. That is not a size six. I, like, <laughs> There's no way she's Iconically, a size six. famously attractive, uh, like conventionally attractive American actress. Uh, yes. Anne Hathaway. And there's just jokes about not being size zero, basically. Like one of Meryl Streep's lines is like, oh, I'll hire the smart fat girl. And you see this look of like just utter confusion and what? and offense on Anne Hathaway's play, uh, face. That's just perfect acting for that line being directed mm-hmm. at her, you know, yeah. in this moment. Um, anyway, so she now is going to start dressing the part more and really throwing herself into the job more fully. Uh, and some of her friends notice this difference. Her boyfriend notices the difference. They're not wild about what they're seeing as this new Andy. Miranda gives Andy increasingly impossible tasks with no guidance for how they could be accomplished. It is overwhelming. For example, she demands the next unpublished Harry Potter manuscript for her twin daughters to read. <laughs> and Andy's just like, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> she says, I need the Harry Potter book for my kids. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go to Barnes & Noble and get those right away. And she's like, no. They own all the published ones. I need the next one. <laughs> the unpublished one. <laughs> and so Andy's about to quit. And she reconnects with a famous writer who had flirted with her at a party. And they had a little connection. She says, you've got publishing industry contacts. Can you possibly get me this manuscript? He says, no, that's stupid. But then, because he is really attracted to her, <laughs> he does pull all the strings he had to get her the uh, manuscript. Uh, and he gets her that copy. And Andy gives it to Miranda. Miranda is like, actually legitimately impressed uh at this point mm-hmm. and he goes uh becomes more and more at home in the world of high fashion begins to supplant emily as miranda's go-to assistant andy's boyfriend nick is not thrilled with the changes he's seeing emily has been dreaming of going with miranda to paris like when when andy's brought on this is like emily is like okay you're my number two my whole purpose in being here is going to paris uh, for the big fashion show. This is where I'm going to move on from being an assistant. I will transition to a new role with another company because everyone will see how hard I've been working for for Miranda. This is inevitable. Uh, and she also is excited about getting fantastic clothing in Paris. But Miranda tells Andy that she is now more impressed with Andy than with Emily. So Andy will be going to Paris instead of Emily. And she orders Andy to be the one to tell Emily this. As Andy is on the phone with Emily to break this news to her, Emily is hit by a taxi and breaks her leg. <laughs> Just awful. That whole scene. This was one of the more unexpected uh, body yes. blows <laughs> that I can remember in film history, where we get the like inside the taxi cab view of Emily Blunt. Well, this stunt double, I'm sure, uh, getting thrown up onto the windshield. It is the literally like kicking you when you're already down yes. moment. And then we cut to the hospital where Emily is chewing out Andy for agreeing because Miranda kind of says at first Andy says I can't do this to Emily like this is Emily's dream I, I can't I can't do this and Miranda kind of says well it's your choice if you want this job you're coming to Paris <laughs> you know that's, right you know so, so you do have a choice right now uh in Paris uh Emily well right before she goes to Paris Emily kind of breaks up with her boyfriend Nick um and then uh she goes to Paris and she reconnects with that writer who is flirting shamelessly with her every time that they you know, are in any sense uh, of each other. Uh, and she goes uh, and spends the night with him. And then she finds out through this connection with this writer that Miranda is going to be fired as the editor of 
Runway Magazine. She's, she's going to be replaced by, what's the name of the French character? Jacqueline. Jacqueline. I don't remember the last name, but I just <laughs> yes. remember Jacqueline. Jacqueline. She's going to be replaced <laughs> by Jacqueline. And Jacqueline is going to be bringing in this writer to act as uh, an editor for the for the magazine. That's how he knows all this information. Andy freaks out, runs to try and tell Miranda. Miranda is nonplussed with <laughs> Andy's presence yes. in her life at all. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, Nigel has excitedly told Andy that he is taking a position as uh, a partner in a new a new fashion company that is coming. Um, and this is like his dream job. He's so excited for it. Uh, and then the next day, Miranda announces that Jacqueline is going to be the partner in this new fashion company. That And this will prevent her from becoming the editor of Runway Magazine. But it also dashes Nigel's dreams. Nigel is devastated, but says he hopes that Miranda will make it up to him sometime. Uh, then uh, the next day, Miranda is complimenting Andy on everything she's done. And, and she says, I see myself in you. And Andy says, I would never do what you did to Nigel. And she says, you already did. <laughs> to <laughs> Talking Emily. about Emily. Uh, that, and and uh, Miranda, or uh, Andy's like, I had no choice. And she's like, I literally told you, you have a choice. <laughs> like that is, <laughs> my language to you is You've you have a choice You've always got right a now. choice. Yes. <laughs> and, and you made it. Uh, and so now Andy panics about who she is becoming, and she walks away from Runaway Magazine. Uh, and she gives Emily the clothes that she got in Paris, and Emily is very pleased with this development. <laughs> and then she reconnects with her boyfriend, Nick, uh, or Nate. I said, I think I was saying Nick. It's Nate. This character, I hate this character. We're going to talk about the boyfriend. This is one of the nits I have to pick. This boyfriend is awful. Uh, I've been saying Nick. It is Nate. She meets up with Nate and uh, apologizes and nate says i've got a new job in boston and kind of implies that i will take you back andy <laughs> and she is pleased with this the end i'm like what <laughs> what is this oh well but she does go and get and um and applies for an actual oh yeah yeah she she writing, does get a journalism job journalism right. job yeah, yeah. it's and, just that and, ending being like he really yeah. is just like i still accept you at this point but um but i think that ending is is significant where she meets with the you know the publisher mm -hmm. and it's a job much more upper alley you know talking about Actual social journalism and, and, and social injustices and yeah. things like that and he says that he got the um the note from miranda saying she was the biggest disappointment of all her assistants but that if he didn't hire her he was an idiot Yes. Or something like that. Yeah, like the disappointment is that she left me, not yes. that she was a failure. But also acknowledging, you know, that this is a very smart, talented mm -hmm. person. And also, they she there is at the end, uh, she makes eye contact with Miranda again out on the streets of New York. And we have been told about Miranda's scale of approval for things that uh, a nod <laughs> is good. One time someone has seen her smile. Uh, and if you get a head shake that or pursed lips i think is death knell like that is yes. the, like nuclear <laughs> uh, apocalypse has happened and miranda makes eye contact and gives no reaction uh and andy walks away uh and andy kind of smiles but then we see as miranda's in the car she smiles to herself and so there is this absolute sense of approval we're supposed to read in the mm -hmm. miranda andy relationship all right so that's the movie can we bag on this boyfriend real quick and then move sure. on to things that we like about this movie? Let's go for it. <laughs> Cause I, I'm not a, I, I'm with you. I'm not a huge fan of his, of their relationship. And, and quite honestly, she had such great chemistry with, uh, what's his name? Christian, Christian, I think Christian Thompson, right? The writer, yeah. mm -hmm. the one she, she has such great chemistry. Played by with Simon him, Baker of mentalist. Who fame. is very attractive. Yeah. That, 
really you're kind of rooting for them you know yes. yeah much better <laughs> chemistry okay yes. so a few things uh about this boyfriend he is not supportive at all uh and i hate it <laughs> like she yeah. is getting a, an entry position into you know an avenue for the career that is her dream and he kind of just bags on her the whole time <laughs> about this then like when she gets the chance to go to paris you should as a significant other always be excited when your significant other for work gets to go to paris like this is this is not debatable <laughs> and you've you've literally been in this situation yes. yeah. well even like where you got to go to paris for yeah. work <laughs> yes for work now you got to take your spouse but <laughs> but but that's an exciting thing like the yes and uh when she because of work has to miss his birthday which i understand that would be frustrating. But this is like, again, a major work opportunity going to this very fancy ball. And he stays up long enough for her to get home with a, a, a birthday cake for him with a candle lit to apologize. And he stayed awake long enough to petula- petulantly let her know how angry he is. And then he goes to bed. Yes. Oh, uh, like, I hated what? that scene. Oh, that what are scene. you doing? Like, why did you choose to stay awake just to make her feel bad? That is the only reason you were sitting on that couch. Yep. <laughs> And yeah. then uh, the end, like, I hate, like, there's just a sense of swar- smarminess about him when he's like, I will still take you back, even though you made mistakes, is what it feels like. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you're the worst. Why you, Andy, don't be with this man <laughs> at all. I do not <laughs> so like you it. have very strong feelings about this. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, I will take Anne Hathaway back. Oh, what a sacrifice. <laughs> <sighs> Well, and I also felt like he was very, you know, sort of, he would make comments about he wanted to be a chef, but he was, what was it? You know, I make port wine reduction all day, or I've spent a year studying potatoes. And, and it almost felt like he didn't want her to get ahead if he wasn't getting ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, that right. that he was like jealous that she was having this sort of glamorous, yes, it was a hard job, but it was a glamorous job. Yeah. And, and that he was kind of put out by that, you know, that he was kind of still doing very menial things mm-hmm. um, in his job. And there's also this scene where they're getting together with their friends and she's like giving them all the swag that she gets by working in the fashion oh, industry. Yes. And then she gets a phone call from her boss and they all grab the phone and play keep away with her. And she's freaking out because her boss, as they all know, is very demanding. Yes. But... <laughs> They are being jerks. And like the scene is played as though we're supposed to say, oh, Andy, you're losing your way. Like, no, they're being mm-hmm. jerks to her. They are in and the she wrong. she just gave them these thousand dollar expensive bag. Like gifts, we say, you know? like they're talking about this is a $1,900 bag, right? That's the number that we are told explicitly in the script. And yes. I feel like the way it is staged, uh, they want the audience to see Andy as the bad person who is changing. And uh, yeah, and I didn't feel that. At I did all not feel that, that at all. No. Like these friends are bad people right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where they were appreciating the spoils of her job, mm-hmm. you know, like they were loving the fact that she was giving them. You know, they're like, "Oh, I can't take this." Oh, yes, I can. You know, yeah. and, and the friend is like moving all her stuff from one person to her new purse. You know, and, she's and the like, and her boyfriend is being this. so dismissive of caring about a bag. That's another thing I hated. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, and, and yeah, I wa- my husband was watching this with us too, and, and she's like, and it's so pretty, and he just looked at me because I say that about purses, yeah. and bags, you know, it's so pretty. <laughs> you know? Anyway, that's my major nitpick is I hate Got the boyfriend. <laughs> yep, I, I I didn't hate it. I don't think I have quite as strong feelings as you do, but 
I did not. I would like just say him. I, I was not a fan of his. Longtime or, listeners or felt like that relationship. Was... Longtime listeners might remember my feelings about Rory Gilmore's boyfriends as well, and this is oh, lining up well. pretty close. <laughs> that was. <laughs> There are, yeah, there's a lot of issues there <laughs> with Rory Gilmore. All right, but let's anyway. go on to what I absolutely loved about this film. First things first, Meryl Streep's entrance is one of my favorite entrances in film history. Oh. Like this, this is amazing. <laughs> the way she walks in and the lines that she's being asked to deliver, the way the camera is, this is all perfection for making the audience, uh, like the show don't tell of the character, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think maybe one of my issues with the boyfriend is sometimes I feel like we're being told not shown anything about their relationship. Mm. Like it, it's like through yeah. lines of dialogue where he's like, I see you changing instead of like actually seeing, you know, yeah. their relationship being impacted by, by her work. We're being told that he's seeing that. And this entrance of Meryl Streep is all show and it is amazing. Yes. Like well, I'm bringing and, it up there with like Darth the... Vader at the end of uh, Rogue One as a character entrance with uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex in Jurassic Park as a character entrance. <laughs> <laughs> These are are fantastic comparisons. <laughs> I'm sure she's so pleased. You know? Well, the character would be. I, yes. I think the character would would not mind this. <laughs> yes. Well, and just the the preparation that went into. I I remember watching this. You know, and, and my daughter sitting there right next to me, and and she's seeing this scene of people just scrambling around you know to because they she's coming in early and and, and so everyone's caught off her. guard right. yeah and just watching people frantically scramble to prepare themselves you know prepare the office people kicking off their comfortable shoes and putting on their heels and you know just uh, yeah what, what nigel is like gird your loins you know <laughs> kind of here she comes and, and that just that entrance is like you said it's just fantastic it just tells you everything you need to know about her mm-hmm. in that one yeah. one entrance yeah it is so good and meryl streep Every line she delivers is so good in this movie. Like, that's all. <laughs> I love the, that's all. You know, yeah. and that's, that truly is all she has to say. And, and, and just, the monologue she gives about dismissed. the color, the, the color, I can't remember the name of the color because it's a very specific shade of color. Uh, uh, Cerulean. Yes, yeah, Cerulean. That's Cerulean. the one about, you know, where she, where it goes through like how high fashion it impacts the sweater that, she, that Andy is wearing when Andy thinks she's, you know, completely separated from high fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, such a good monologue. Uh, little looks that she gives. Just Meryl Streep is is a treasure. That's all. Just yes. she's a treasure, and this is an amazing performance by her. Uh, totally agree. Oh, and when she does the uh, like the list of tasks, you know that Andy's supposed to accomplish, and Andy has no idea what she's talking about, and she just keeps going and going. I don't know how she made it through all of that in one take. You uh. know where she just kind of keeps going through all of it and. It, it is. It, well, yeah, same thing when they, when she's walking delivery. in, like that entrance, like it is a wonder of her walking down the hallway, like giving tasks to every person that she passes. And part of me was just like, how did she memorize all of this? Oh, I know. But then also like, because it's so much that's been memorized is like, how do you deliver it nonchalantly, but commandingly and not mm-hmm. look like you're, you're repeating memorized lines. <laughs> and I think I read at one point that for this movie, she did have to go pretty method and, mm-hmm. and stay in character the whole shoot, you know, like she really couldn't break character very well for this one. Um, you know, even when cameras weren't rolling and, and things like that, because it was just, 
it, it was just, it, it's a lot as a character, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you, but you kind of have to kind of stay there at that level um, mm-hmm. to be able to consistently deliver, you know, throughout the shooting. So outside of the performance that Meryl Streep gives, what do you think works about this character, uh, Miranda Priestley, that she is playing? Like, why why is this character so memorable besides Meryl Streep giving what should have won every award performance? So, you know, level of performance. Uh, well, I mean, you have to talk about her style, you know, again, like we, we just talked about another movie with lots of style and, you know, or, or show and the same thing here, you know, that the stylist, just the way her hair, the, that montage of her tossing the jackets and the purses on Andy's desk and every single one are just fabulous, you know, and they're just, and every outfit, she's just impeccable, um, Though you do get that one scene towards the end where she has no makeup, her hair is And it's so shocking. And it's, and it's, you see like, oh, that's the Meryl Streep I've seen in other movies. Now I recognize you, Mm -hmm. you know, without the hair and the makeup. But man, as soon as it's like, uh, you know, putting on armor or something, as soon as she gets the hair and the makeup and the clothes, she's just kind of this warrior. Mm-hmm. you know, that is just going out to slay the world, basically. Yeah, that scene. So I, I think I left it out of the plot summary, but that's where we find out that she and her husband are having a divorce. Uh, right. And that absence of the makeup and her hair being floppy, it makes it feel so intimate that we're being let in to this mm-hmm. revelation, right? Uh, because we've always seen her completely, uh, you know, made presentable like uh, well impeccable you know yes. just perfect basically yeah her, her entire aspect is just completely performative to be the boss that is in charge yes. in every other scene and to see her not just like the emotion that she's she's playing with but just the the, the makeup and the clothes or the absence of makeup and the clothes and the, and the way her hair is floppy it, it is such a break from how we've come to know this character i think it made that scene so impactful yes well and and she's so obviously very smart and accomplished and confident uh, you know and just she knows who she is she knows what she knows um she knows what other people think of her right i she knows what she's had to do to get to this level and uh-huh. she doesn't make any apologies for it she kind of embraces it you know but she makes the comment that if she were a man no one would blink an eye at her behavior, you know, or what mm-hmm. she's had to do to get to this level. But because she's a woman, people are going to call her names and, you know, names I won't say right here, but, yeah. <laughs> you know. Family-friendly podcast, um, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but she recognizes that she's treated differently because she's a woman in a role of power mm-hmm. versus if a man was in that kind of role of power. You know, and but she she just embraces it. She knows who he is, who she is, and kind of doesn't apologize for it. And I, again, it's in that moment uh, in, in that hotel room where we're like seeing through the masks that she's always wearing, where she she says like, "I don't care what they're going to write about me, mm-hmm. but it is going to affect my kids." And yeah. that's what's what is sad for her is that her her daughters are going to see you know, what, what yeah. everyone says about her, um, which is again, just this humanizing intimate moment uh, that as an audience we're, we're being led into. 
it is hard to get a read of on her as a mom. Yeah. Um, well, and also just because of the age, like how young are these twins? Because Meryl Streep would have been, what, 60 when this film was made, I want to say. Yeah. And she's not presented as young, certainly. Mm-hmm. She looks good, whatever yeah. age she's supposed to but, be. But the, but the girls look like they're 10, which maybe, doesn't quite yeah. align yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. uh, with, with, with my understanding of yeah. biology. <laughs> Uh, and I, I think Meryl Streep maybe even, uh, just because her hair is white and gray, it makes her look even older than she was, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it, like the whole role, it, that whole relationship, I, I wanted something, uh, just a, a line or two of more clarity of like when she had these kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, yeah. And it, it, like I said, it was just hard to get a read on her. She seems to care about her girls and want to be there for the important things but you also recognize to have the job that she has she is not there a lot yeah um and she is offloading uh, anything that's not the quote-unquote important things like it's not we don't ever see andy get told to do this but we see andy like doing the girls science uh After hours, at yeah. Her after hours, she's putting together solar system model, right. you know, for, for the girls. Uh, you know, which is, so she's definitely offloading some of the maternal role to her assistants. Yes, but well, I'm sure, one reason I'm why sure she wanted to get back and, from know, Miami was for her daughter's performance. Right? right. That, you know, that's why that was so important to her, and why Not she was so upset yeah. that Andy couldn't pull it off. Although I do love that whole scene where it's you know you re- you come to understand that there's a hurricane <laughs> happening. And that's why, Andy, because there's literally no flights, you know, all flights have been grounded. And Andy's dad is like, well, what does she want you to do? Call in the National Guard? And Andy's, do you think they would do that? (laughs) And you see uh, Meryl Streep standing in front of the hotel room window saying, why would they shut down the airport for a drizzle? drizzle. And you see like like the the palm trees bending over and snapping in the background. (laughs) The thunder and lightning, (laughs) you know, happening. So she definitely has her own view of the world yeah. and how the world is working. And um, I don't know if it's because I knew that this was inspired at least by a real person or because we do have like so many, I mean, more often than not male figures that kind of pre- are presented as, as this type of CEO. But even as like monstrous as her behavior is, it never really, outside of maybe asking for the unpublished Harry Potter manuscript, felt unrealistic that there are people out there who assume their assistants will do all this for them oh no (laughs) right it all felt very very much like this could be a real person a real ceo you know and and i mentioned earlier about like the director trying to strike a certain tone in regards to the fashion industry of reveling in silliness but also uh acknowledging its importance i think there's versions of this story or even this very film and, and you know, in this script that really hit parody level in terms of how broad some things could be played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Meryl Streep helps to keep it all centered and it makes, again, like this doesn't feel like she's lampooning uh, someone. She is playing someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, yeah, she just has this kind of gravitas to it that, like you said, it just kind of keeps it grounded and, mm-hmm. and keeps it from, sort of escaping into parody. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. All right. What about the character of Andy? Any thoughts on this character? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know she's supposed to be the central figure. I think she does get a little lost in 
Meryl Streep and Stanley Tucci and Emily Blood sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, that and that's part of her character right. is that she's a she's little the she's a mouse at the yeah. start, right? That and she's kind of the um the ugly duckling into a swan um type of thing where she gets her makeover and becomes much more glamorous and fashion conscious and and things like that. Um she she does get on my nerves with the I didn't have a choice I didn't have a choice I, well you always have a choice and it took Miranda to point that out to her ironically you know mm-hmm. that no you've always had a choice in everything you've done for me you know whereas Andy spent the whole time sort of blaming Miranda I think for her choices mm-hmm. um we do see her try to kind of own you know own it at the end where she decides to leave Miranda and throw the phone in the in the fountain and walk away but for a little while she's she kind of graded on me you yeah. know sort of mid mid movie of sort I think, of a wake up honey you do yeah. have a choice you're choosing this path I think one one reason maybe why I I I I can see exactly what you're saying um in the world of the magazine she's the outsider uh, you know, that is learning to become an insider, but we have these insiders who are just such big presences, you know, already, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. the, you know, those three in particular that you already listed. Um, and then because I was so annoyed with her boyfriend, I just didn't feel invested in her other storyline. And so mm. it didn't feel like when we were at the other, you know, seeing her life, I just didn't feel the stakes maybe as much yeah. um, as I felt it uh, with, with the fashion world, um, you know, side, yeah. side of it. And like I said, I mean, I like, I, for me, some of the more interesting scenes are the ones when she's with the writer, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of, I, I don't think that's the storyline you're supposed to be rooting for. Yeah. But they have such good chemistry and it was just sort of the more interesting story um, developing to kind of see that. So again, you know, so, so yeah, my feelings about her ended up kind of muddled and, <laughs> and mixed. You know, I think she's supposed to be a protagonist with an arc and with growth and, and, you know, figuring out who she wants to be and starting to make better choices. But there's some pretty bad choices along the way. Yeah. Um, so. But certainly, yeah. like, her landing at the newspaper, like you said, doing more the traditional journalism that she always saw as her career path. Like, that's satisfying. When, you know, when, mm-hmm. when you see that coming yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, and you feel like um, she is a better person because of her experience uh, with, with Miranda yes, in the end. I would agree with um, that. You know, that whether it's going to be being less judgmental or uh, just more assertive of herself, like less judgmental of others, but also more assertive of herself and also like seeing everything that she could accomplish because Miranda told her to go accomplish it. I think that's yeah. going to have an, a, an impact on, on her career. Miranda did push her, you know, mm-hmm. it pushed her out of her comfort zone and she expected things of her. You know, that that then she tried to sort of rise to the occasion. Um, so I think she learned a lot about herself through that experience, you know, and, and hopefully that would then help steer her in the future. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yes. She could always go stupid again. You never know. I don't want her to go to Boston with her boyfriend. <laughs> no, please no. Oh, and that's one the other thing is like the, the boyfriend kind of like making the offer for her to come to Boston. It's but also we were just shown that you got a job in New York. So how's this? Like, that was exactly weird. I, I was not sure where exactly that's landing, you know, <laughs> that, that whole relationship. Um, yeah. yeah. Or even as an audience, like what are we supposed to be more pleased that she is getting this job in New York or more pleased that the boyfriend is willing to, to take her to Boston with him? 
Right. Um, and, and so it, it just it felt like an odd odd note in particular, you know, at the, at the very finale. Yeah, I agree. I I think I remember when I was watching it, just thinking this scene wasn't necessary, right? Mm-hmm. That that scene with the boyfriend. I think it's like they wanted to tie up all the loose ends, but it felt extraneous to the rest of the story to have that scene with her reconnecting with him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, we've mentioned several times that uh, Emily is a great character in this, played by <laughs> Emily Blunt. Let's take a moment and <laughs> yes, talk about her. She has some of the best lines uh, Fantastic of, of lines. the film. Uh, and again, this is one of those that I just think could become parody so quickly, but it, it doesn't, um, and, no, and... you feel her, like you feel how much she wants Paris. You feel her investment in this job. Like you feel her, you know, she conveys mm-hmm. that. Um, so it makes it real rather than, like you said, you know, kind of a parody. Yeah. And, and I think in parody, you would feel something like performative about her relationship with fashion, but it, she's one of those million girls that would kill for this job where like, this is the job that they actually dream of. That's who Mm -hmm. Emily is. Not the Andy, like where it's like, okay, this is a job that HR got me. (laughs) (laughs) But that said, you can also see where she is not as smart as Andy. Right. Like that's, that's shown that, Mm -hmm. and that's why Andy's able to surpass her. Um, you know, because Andy is more intuitive about what Miranda needs or wants once she really starts paying attention and, and you know, kind of getting into it. Um, she's able to intuit those things in a way Emily isn't or Emily forgets things. Yeah, um, as you know, an invested part so. of the team, Andy is going to outshine Emily. Yes. Uh, in those early points where Andy's just viewing this as the job that maybe could be a stepping stone, perhaps uh, Emily's much better yeah. <laughs> than, than Andy at things. Yeah. Well, cause a- Emily is initially the more invested one, you mm-hmm. know, she's the one really invested in trying to do a good job and not that she becomes less invested, but when Andy steps up and they're sort of on that same level of investment, then Andy's going to outshine because she just has the bigger intelligence and skill set and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and with Emily Blunt's performance, I think just she can put a spin on some lines of dialogue that just <laughs> make me want to see her more comedic things. Because um, yes. I don't think has this... she done much comedy. I'm trying to think. I know she it was seems in that like Jungle a lot Cruise of her stuff action is more comedy dramatic. thing with The Rock, but I haven't seen yeah. it, so I don't know how that one landed. Because yeah, like I, I know her from Day After Tomorrow, Action Piece, uh, Mary Poppins. You know, Mary Poppins. Oh, uh, um, Sir, what was it? The not Serpico, but the the yeah, it's it's like a drug ro- DEA mm. kind of role. But again, it's like very action yeah. oriented. Um, I want to see her more comedies. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, she's got great delivery. You can see why she gets along so well with her husband. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the Quiet Place, you know, I mean, she's oh, in all yeah, these the like place. very intense drama sort of or action pieces. And I agree. I don't think she's done nearly enough comedy. Yeah, because she definitely has a talent for it. I loved oh, yeah. every time the she was on screen. And even, just... even like just the way she would hold her mouth open sometimes. Like, oh. <laughs> Which, again, is not like she what I picture of yeah, Emily Blunt at all. She's so playing much this character. in a look. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, just yeah, the glare. I mean, and the... With so many um, 
I mean, this movie was, what, 2006? I mean, we're almost to the point where we could do, like, the 20-year-later story with Emily uh, running a magazine somewhere. (laughs) That would be Uh, awesome. Because, you know, so uh, so much of our pop culture cycle is is hitting that nostalgia of, like, the early 2000s stuff. Let's go revisit those uh, Mm -hmm. one more time. Can we do that with Emily Blunt's character in (laughs) in this? And then she can go get drinks with with Andy, who's who's a reporter. Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, she's... uh... I think she's just one of the, you know, kind of the standout pieces of this, you know, right up there with Meryl Streep was her, you know, kind of holding her own against that and just doing such a fantastic job. If this was one of her her breakout roles, can you imagine one of your breakout roles, roles being against Meryl Streep, like doing scenes with Meryl Streep? I would. Well, and Meryl <laughs> Streep like this. Yes. I mean, I... not just, you know, <laughs> Meryl Streep, but. Meryl Streep is like the dragon lady, you know. <laughs> yeah. No that, pressure. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even um uh Anne Hathaway wasn't that old when you know she had been in she had been in movies yeah. before this, but she was certainly was not like this really old seasoned actress. Mm-hmm. Um so the same thing, you know, having to kind of hold her own against this performance of Meryl Streep's is uh, kudos to anyone trying to take that on basically. Yeah. I was just double checking. Cause I kind of feel like Anne Hathaway at this point has been around for so long. I feel like she's always been there, but I just went to go check. It says like her earliest role was princess diaries in 2001. You know, that and I think me. this might've even been 2003. This, uh, this was 2006. Uh, 2006. So, so five years okay. into that, but I, yeah, I don't think she was, you know, um, quite as big like in her wikipedia profile it says 2005 to 2008 uh transition to adult roles and critical recognition you know is is what's happening so this is kind of one of those pivot points Mm -hmm. uh you know roles i think um yeah yeah uh because it's around this time that she's gonna do um let's see brokeback mountain and then wasn't uh this would be around when she's catwoman in the uh the third batman film with you know from that run of Batman films. It's so hard to identify Batman films at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm like, which Batman? Yeah, I know. Uh, wait, which, which Catwoman is this? Is yeah. this before or after Halle Berry and, and whoever else? And, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> the many, many versions of Batman and Catwoman. Uh. <laughs> of which there will be yet another. Yet this another. Year, so. <laughs> for some reason, the, the only change in tone they seem to want to make is let's go darker. I'm like, can we, can we do a different change of tone for Batman than let's go darker? Because we've since Batman Begins, it just feels like everyone is like, oh, you thought that one was dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Joel Schumacher, but can we swing a little lighter? <laughs> just a little <laughs> to, to, to that style. Um, okay, the last character I want to make sure we touch on before we wrap up, Stanley Tucci's role as <laughs> Nigel. Nigel. He looks like he's having the time of his life playing oh, Nigel. Yeah. Just, just the, the like physicality he's... he brings to that, like the, just the way he holds his back and, and he places his hands in front of him. Uh, yes. It, it just, he, he's inhabiting this, the, this character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the giant ring on his finger, you know, the way he strokes his bald head and you know, yes. things like and that. And like the I excitement mean, he gets to play about, I'm getting the job of my dream and then as an actor getting to play like my world was just shattered in front of me like very publicly (laughs) right now uh you know so he's able to get some depth but he also just looks like he's having fun particularly in the early scenes uh you know when he's i mean 
this is very, this movie does follow a hero's journey pattern of like, okay, we got the protagonist mm-hmm. entering the unknown world and now she's going to get like, usually it's like support and Nigel and Emily are like sort of support, but not I, quite. <laughs> I would say more Nigel. Uh, he can be sort of snarky, right? But mm-hmm. it never feels malicious. And he absolutely wants to help him. her. Like as soon as yes. she's willing to ask for help, he will give it to her. Right. He's more of the mentor, like the style guru, right? Mm-hmm. That's helping her evolve her own style um, and kind of supporting her. Um, so, yeah, I I think he's in that sort of mentor role, you know, if this is a hero's journey. Yeah. And I just love that um, in terms of a side character that could have been very one note, they do give him a whole arc that happens. Uh, mm-hmm. And like yes. that almost um defeated way that he says Miranda will make it up to me and and Andy's like will she it's like well maybe Uh, (laughs) like it it just says so much about what his career has been and like he gives little asides like where she's complaining about her personal life falling apart he's like well if your career's taken off your personal life's gonna be struggling in New York that's that's the way New York is yeah and it says so much about him without really telling us about what his personal life is at all that's true. Yeah, we don't get any insights into that at all. But uh, you do learn so much about, you know, like, clearly, he's valued there. He's one of the more talented, smart people. And in that way, it makes sense that she wouldn't want to let him go. Mm-hmm. You know, that I think she recognizes the the talent, you know, that he has, or, or that one scene where they're talking about the layouts, and he's the only one with a good idea that she likes. Mm-hmm. you know, or things like that. It's clear that she values him um, and his opinion, even if that's, it's not his dream job, you know, at least I think he does feel valued by her. All right. The last thing that I want to make sure we noted uh, or, or had a little discussion on is narratively, we have this moment of high tension where Andy has been told you need to tell Emily that she's not coming to Paris because you're replacing her. And Andy debates, like, well, can I even do that? And she feels like she's left no choice, that she has to do it. She's on the phone with Emily to do this. And then Emily gets hit by the taxi <laughs> and breaks her leg. And I thought we were being given, like, this get out of jail free card for Andy's character. Like, well, sorry, Emily, you can't go to Paris. <laughs> You've been struck no, no. by a taxi. <laughs> but immediately, uh, we see her in the hospital room, like, and Emily's chewing her out because Andy has told her everything mm-hmm. about this. And I thought that was such an interesting move in terms of storytelling because it actually makes me like Andy more that she didn't take the get out of jail free card yeah. <laughs> that, that, that the story had been giving us. And um, if it had chosen to do that, it just would have felt like cheaper in terms of storytelling, right? That, I would that agree the with stakes that. were yeah. removed. Um, and then I, but then when I thought about that, when they didn't take it, I was like, well, then why do they even include this? And then I thought, well, I think it makes Andy actually more interesting or, or, or a better person or more, uh, you know, someone that we can have more sympathy or rooting interest in that she does still go come clean to Emily. Well, and Emily does call her on things in mm-hmm. that conversation. Like she tries to point out to her, you know, because Andy's doing her whiny. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> you know, and she kind of says, bollocks, of course you had a choice. You know, you yeah. chose this. This was your choice. And it, it doesn't seem to really sink in to Andy with Emily telling her that like it does when Miranda tells her. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you get some insight into Emily in that scene too. I like I I liked Emily's character more for that scene. And the way she's um, like, the way you she shouldn't get to go to Paris. Up. You eat carbs, right? And she's stuffing a roll in her mouth because she hasn't eaten in months, you know, to go to Paris, and now she's just eating everything she can. Um, but I I liked Emily's character more for that scene and how she kind of stood up for herself. Yes, you know? I agree. I, and, I think I like both characters Annie on on her stuff. Yeah. I think both characters are better because they chose to include that scene that I did have a moment of catching of like, well, why is this even happening? Uh, story-wise and it's about character, not narrative, I think is, is why it ended up being included. But I think it's also worth acknowledging that while we're saying Andy, yes, you did have a choice. Like she really is put into a rough spot by Miranda (laughs) on that. Yes. It's, it's not an easy choice that's been given at all of like, well, your career is over and you can quit. Or you can come to Paris. <laughs> but you have to... But you're you know, going to have guilt. Tell, you have to tell Emily. I'm yep. not telling Emily. You have to go do it. You know? And it's kind of like Miranda's almost testing her to see how far can she push her. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to be me, right? Like, yes. she's trying to mold her. Like, how far will she go for this job? Um, and it, it's like she's constantly testing her. Yeah, I think that that's right uh, on that. And, and so, yeah, I absolutely see what you're saying about andy being a little bit whiny and like oh i have no choice but that is a rough spot for anyone to be in <laughs> like, it's what, true what, what what would you do like if it's like okay your career or i mean and i think that's something about andy be, it being so hard because emily has not been kind to her like i'm gonna ruin emily's no. dreams but emily's also been awful to me <laughs> yes. so it, there's no ever a hint of like reveling in defeating emily or or vanquishing this enemy in any way uh, right. Even though Emily has been so mean. Um, so I guess, I guess there's even more, uh, you know, things that maybe we can respect about Andy's character <laughs> without, you know, even a, a moment of like, ha ha, the, yeah. the mean girl at the office is, is getting her comeuppance. <laughs> right. Well, Virginia, do you have any final thoughts about the divorce product that you would like to share? Um, just if you have not seen it, watch it. Fantastic. You know, because like you pointed out, I mean, it's been out for 15 years at this point, you know, so there's probably a whole generation that's never seen it. So <laughs> it is fantastic. Well, and and really, if you watch it, um, like I loved the live action 101 Dalmatians, but it is essentially the Devil Wears Prada mm, Disney right. version, you yeah. know, kind of thing. And, see, I, and, yeah. and you see the influences of it, I think, mm-hmm. in a, a lot of other movies and and things like that that have come after it's true it's the oh um oh my goodness why am i suddenly blanking on her name the actress who plays the essentially the the miranda character in cruella uh, it's, um, oh um i she, can think she, of emma stone but yeah, it, um it, yes thank i know i'm seeing her in other roles she's in harry potter she's in much to do about nothing <laughs> it's another emma emma thompson there it is emma thompson there yeah, we go she i was like i was going through the emmas to, and i'm like that's not it that's not it to, that's uh <laughs> to like her her character in cruella is very similar to Miranda, yes uh yeah. in in this one um, like you said, Corella is a movie that I had like no expectations going into, and I was just charmed with like, oh, oh I loved this it. Is actually, so enjoyable. <laughs> loved it, but it is very derivative. If you've seen The Devil Wears Prada first, mm-hmm. then it's it's hard. I mean, not, not in terms to make of what like Corella's relationship with it. with her yeah. is going to be. <laughs> you know, like there's yes. much more antagonism that's yeah. present in that version. But in terms of who this character is, like like what is the antagonist character? Uh, it is yeah, I I see 
absolutely yeah. what you're saying about yep. that. Yeah, once you've seen this, you kind of see elements of it in a lot of other things. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this discussion. Uh, I would recommend the movie just for Meryl Streep's performance, but there's a lot of other things to recommend about it as well. Thank you for joining us for show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows. You can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. I'd like to thank Scott Tofty, who composed our theme, theme music. You can reach us by emailing feedback at ProtagonistPodcast.com. Or us on Twitter. You can follow at Protagonist Pod or at Jay Dorowski and producer Andrew is at Disney. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash Podcast. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. so efficiently it's delightful technology's working Every, for technology us. is working <laughs> yes <laughs> fingers crossed it yeah. keeps going <laughs>